0: Wow, we've looked forward to this day for so long, and we've prepared for it just about all year long. But you have to understand, our Christmas wish is that this service is going to be much more than just a seasonal celebration. In fact, we have prayed that this service would actually be a turning point, that years from now, people will look back on this and say, that service at New Spring changed my life. I connected with God for the first time. Or... Many of us might be able to say, I got a fresh reconnection with God in Christmas Eve service at New Spring Church. You know, as I thought about this message tonight, I want to do more than just bring a Christmas Eve message. I was reading in the book of Acts the other day, and it's the story of the early church, and Paul and Barnabas, who were missionaries taking the good news to other places. They wound up in this town called Antioch, and they were strangers there. And as they went into the synagogue, the place of worship, After, well, let me read this to you. In Acts 13, 15, the Bible says, after reading from the law and prophets, now that term doesn't mean a lot to us, but to the Jewish mind, the law and the prophets were the Bible. So in this service, someone read from the Bible. Let's read it again. After the reading from the law and prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. I like that. If you have a message of encouragement, please speak. That's what I hear as you've all gathered here for this wonderful service. The pressure is on me that if I have a word of encouragement, then I want to speak it. There are a couple of other translations of this same verse that I like a lot. In Acts 13, 15, in the easy to read version, the Bible says, if you have something to say that will help the people, please speak. Another translation says, if you have a word of comfort, speak with the people. And I hope you feel my heart today because that's what I want. If I have a word of encouragement or a word that will help you or a word of comfort, I want to bring it. Now, with that challenge, I'm going to take a risk in this service. Our series is called Grinches, and it's all about the stuff that steals our stuff. It's the stuff that steals our joy in life, our comfort and joy. My risk on this beautiful day of celebration is I want to start this message by talking about something painful. And that's interesting because behind me is all the festive, beautiful celebration of Christmas. And here I am on Christmas Eve talking about something painful. I want to talk about the cruel Grinch of hopelessness. And by hopelessness, I just mean just a sense that life is not going to work out. The reason I bring this talk is I talk to so many people in Wichita and in our area and those who watch us on television. And as I hear their stories, I hear the pain of people feeling that there's just a sense that life isn't going to work. You know how it is. We all start out our lives with hope. When we're children, we have the joy of expectation. In fact, sometimes we talk about the excitement of youth with the belief that life somehow is going to work out. But it isn't long, maybe even by elementary school, when things begin to happen, bad things. And you think you see a way out of it and things things will get better when this changes or that changes. But instead of us pulling the game out, we get further behind. And somewhere along the way, our head drops, our eyes drop because the pain just gets to be too much. You keep going, sort of. You do what it takes to face the day, maybe even paste on a smile. But after a while, just too much has gone wrong things are just too broken. And we say things like, I just don't see any way out of this, or I don't see any way back to when life was working. And here's the one that hurts me, especially, it's when I look at something that goes wrong in life, and I say to myself, things will never be right again. And when those things come out of our mouths, or better yet, when they're in our hearts, even if they don't come out of our mouths, the grinch of hopelessness threatens to steal Christmas and not just Christmas all the other days of the year as well. But then along comes Christmas. Isn't it interesting? The most beautiful day of our year comes smack dab at the worst time of year. You know, when I moved from Texas to Kansas, I got used to the fact that in the winter you get these long, dark nights and short, cold days. In fact, my wife, I'm sure, gets tired of hearing me say, starting in July, wow, the days are getting shorter, and they get shorter and shorter and shorter until this week of december comes and they're shorter than ever and in kansas especially it's dreary the sun goes down a little bit after five o'clock so yeah you have long dark nights and short cold days but then along comes christmas even though it gets dark at five o'clock i turn into the subdivision where i live and the lights are dazzling the christmas lights they turn the night into a magnificent display And it isn't just the lights. We have the music and the presents and the celebrations. And all of those things wind up making the darkest time of our year what we sing about and call the most wonderful time of the year. Have you ever stopped to think about Christmas itself being kind of a metaphor for life? Because we live in a world with dark hopelessness, with long, dark nights and short, cold days. But into the dark of our hopelessness and our broken world, Jesus comes. And with him comes hope for a new future. When I think about hope in the dark times, my mind goes to a book of the Bible called Lamentations. That's a strange name for a Bible book. If we put it in modern times today, we would say Lamentations means crying. Think about that. A book of the Bible called Crying. It it happened, or it was written at a time when the people of God had had the worst possible thing that could happen. Their nation had been overrun, and the people had been taken captive. Many had been killed. They had been ripped away from their homes. In many cases, their homes had been destroyed. Awful things had happened. And the prophet Jeremiah writes this book called Crying to talk about the pain that he felt and the hopelessness. I want to read just a few words from Lamentations chapter 3. Jeremiah writes, The thought of my suffering is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Now let's just think about those words for a moment. Because although you've not been in a scenario where your nation has been overrun and you've been taken captive, you may have been through such horrible things in your life that you could sign your name to those words. The thought of my suffering is bitter beyond words who feels that tonight even though we've gotten together to celebrate the beauty of the season what you've been through is so painful right now you're saying the thought of my suffering i can't even put it into words and then jeremiah went on to say i'll never forget this awful time as i grieve over my loss remember a few moments ago when i said the pain of hopelessness in life is the sense that things will never be right again And yet, just like the Christmas lights that light up the long, dark nights here in Kansas, all of a sudden there is this magnificent expression. Jeremiah says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Some of you may remember a few years ago when Barack Obama was running for president. He had written a book about life, and he took this line to be the title of his book. It was called The Audacity of Hope, and it's taken from this very statement. Yet I still dare to hope. Wow, here you are, Jeremiah, your nation's been overrun, it's been awful, it's unimaginable, and you're saying, I grieve my loss and my life will never be the same again. How can you say, yet I still dare to hope? Look at this line. He said, I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease And we get the words now from which we get one of the greatest hymns in the Christian faith. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies began afresh each morning. As if to say, yesterday was a bad day. Yesterday was a day when my nation went into captivity. Yesterday was a day when I experienced unspeakable loss. But God's mercies are so new that every morning they start again. God's solution to all the brokenness, pain, and confusion of this world the hope that we have. I find it so interesting on this Christmas Eve. It wasn't in a plan. It wasn't like God looked down from heaven and he saw our hopelessness and said, hey, I have a plan. Or it wasn't a program. It wasn't an information device that we're so in love with in our times. It wasn't an invention at all. God's answer to our hopelessness was a baby. But no ordinary baby. Billions of babies have been born. This was no ordinary baby. Jesus in the manger is God in skin, a Savior. You know, wherever I speak to you today, whether you're a God follower or you're someone who's not sure that there is a God, I think deep inside we all know that we need a Savior. Let me tell you why I feel that. Every time I go to the theater to see upcoming shows or upcoming movies, There's always at least one show about some superhero, and the expression is over and over and over in our culture. You know, to save the world, to save the planet, to save the human race. How many movies have we seen that had that expression in it? You see, I think deep down inside, we know we need a superhero, we know we need a savior. But then (laughs) the fact that there's always a new one coming out, it lets us know that there's disappointment when we remember that it's all fiction. You know, Batman is there, or, you know, Superman is there, or those are the old schools and Iron Man and all these superheroes and Superwoman. At the end of the day, we have to have another movie because we're aware of the fact that there isn't a superhero to save the human race. It's just fiction. Let me tell you why the Christmas story is so important. Because the Christmas story takes the superhero saving the world from fiction and fantasy and turns it into biography. It's a real story. A superhero has come into our world to save the world. And I want to talk about him for just a few moments right now. If you're feeling hopeless, I want to tell you why you can have what President Obama called the audacity of hope. I want to tell you how you can have the assurance that your future is bright. There are three things that make all the difference. And here's the first one. God knows you. God knows you. God knows you. Years ago, I was thinking about this this last week. I had to make a visit at Wesley Hospital late at night, and I was with our care pastor, John Renfro. And as we walked the halls of Wesley that late, I, I thought about a story that happened years before. I remember I got a call about two o'clock in the morning, I think, that one of our church members was having emergency surgery. I jumped up, put on my suit, as I did in those days, and rushed to the hospital. But then I did a series of wrong things, have to admit. For one thing, I parked in the wrong place. I thought to myself, if I park in emergency parking, I can get right into the hospital and go where I need to go. I'm not supposed to park there, but it's the middle of the night, and there aren't too many people in emergency parking. But then when I walked into the hospital, I realized they were under serious construction, and I barely recognized anything. There were were passageways that were just sort of made up with tape and plastic. Well, so I snaked my way through the emergency room, got up to make my visit, made the visit. And as I was walking back out of the hospital room, I came across the coffee shop. And in those days, it was often 24 hours. And I was hooked on Diet Coke. And there, was, there were these huge, I don't know, the, the huge cups. And so I walked in there, and I thought, wow, I'm going to get a big Diet Coke. So I get the picture. I'm walking back to my car. I have to go through emergency because I parked in the wrong place. And now I'm carrying this big, what we used to call in Texas, soda pop. But somehow I got lost and I walked into the wrong place. And I found myself walking into a trauma room with a doctor, a surgeon, and other medical personnel all gowned up and masked up. And they all looked up at me. And here I am walking into a treatment room carrying a huge soda pop. And I saw the doctor's eyes look up at me. He's masked and all I can see is the top of his eyes. And I'm thinking, he is going to. He's going to ream me out. When all of a sudden I saw the side of his eyes crinkle. I couldn't see his mouth, but I knew he was smiling. And I heard the words, hello, pastor. You know, I'd done so many foolish things, parked in the wrong place, walked into a treatment room carrying a big soda pop, but all my fear melted away because he knew me and he was smiling. I think there are many people who are afraid to see God because they've done so many wrong things. In fact, I've got a lot of atheist friends. I, I don't know that they hate God as much as they're just afraid to meet him. What would he say? How would the God, re- how would the God of the universe, with billions of people on the planet, I mean, here I am, just a, 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 tall, a small, tiny speck. How would God feel about me? I can tell you. If you could talk to God today, he would, he would say, Hello, Mark. Hello, whatever your name is. And he would tell you that he's been there every day of your life. And he'd talk about things and chat about things that have happened in your life. And we'd find ourselves saying, oh, I'd forgotten all about that. That's how well he knows you. Jesus said the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows what's happened in your life. And he knows how you feel. So today, whatever you're dealing with, there's hope. Because God knows you. He knows all about you. But it isn't just that he knows you. He cares. And beyond that, he loves you. When I was a kid, we learned a little song. We sang it in church. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, I'm amazed that that's the earliest and the simplest thing that we learn when we begin to discover the Bible, and yet it's the deepest thing. It's the greatest thing. I don't think we ever outgrow that song, Jesus loves me, this I know. I remember there was a lawman in Dallas who was legendary, I mean, in the early part of the 20th century, He was perhaps the highest-profile lawman, tough, rough, man's man. But when Bill Decker died, he asked that it be sung at his funeral, the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible tells me so. No matter how far you get in life, you never outgrow Jesus Loves Me. So today, you can have hope because, first of all, God knows you, and secondly, he loves you. And then finally, here's the big one. He has plans for your future. You say, Mark, I don't believe I have a future. Hey, you remember Jeremiah a few moments ago? You remember the guy who said, I'll never forget my loss. And yet he said, yet I dare to hope. I want to take you to one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And believe it or not, it was actually written to the people of Jeremiah's day who had been carried away captive into Babylon. You see, a lot of them thought our lives were over and we're just going to be, we're going to be slaves in Babylon, captives in Babylon, and we're just going to, hey, our lives are going to be meaningless. It was to those very people that one of the most famous verses of the Bible are written. You know, many people have this verse on a plaque in their homes. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, there are two words out of that that's written, of course, in Hebrew originally, two words that don't come over into English very well. The first word is the word know, because it means more than just it sounds like it means. The word know there in the Hebrew means to know from seeing. So let's plug that in. God is saying to the people who've gone through the worst possible things, I know because I've seen your future. Wow, I can't help but think about my dad. He died five years ago. When I was a kid growing up, I used to play this game with my dad, and it was all about getting my Christmas presents early. My dad would get excited because he knew what he had bought for me, but it would be all wrapped up and I wouldn't be able to see what was in the boxes. And so I, I knew that my dad was a soft touch. And if I, if I started playing the game of 20 questions to ask him what the presents were, if I could ever get close to what he had given me, he would start grinning. And I'd, I'd throw in a couple of clunker questions, stuff I knew he didn't get for me. But then I'd get close and I would ask him, hey, dad, could it be this? And if I got close, he would start grinning and he'd start laughing. He couldn't hide his excitement. And I'd wind up getting my Christmas present on December the 13th. Why why did dad react that way? Because he knew what he had for me. He was excited. I couldn't see it. There was paper on it, but he knew what he had for me. And guys, could I tell you today that no matter what you've been through, God is up in heaven. And if you've accepted Jesus, he is your heavenly father. And although you may not be able to see your future, it's all wrapped up in boxes. If you could see your heavenly father, you would find him smiling and grinning because he knows the plans that he has for you. The second word is the word plans, because it's an interesting word. It has the idea of pieces fitting together. In other words, Things that don't seem like they have a purpose, God is saying, I know how it's all machined. I know how all the parts of your life work together. And maybe today you're dealing with something and you're looking at it and you're saying, I don't see how anything good can come of that. And it's not good. But God knows how to take the pieces of our life and put them together. That's the story of Christmas. That into the dark, cold nights of our world, Jesus came and he turned on all the lights. And there's hope for every one of us if you put your trust and faith in him. As I said at the beginning, I want this service to be a turning point. I want it to be so that some of us will look back on a, this moment and say, that it was the moment that my life changed because for the first time in my life, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And for others, I hope that if you have trusted him, this is a time of recommitment. And if it is a time of recommitment, there was a moment when you invited God into your life and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you've kind of slipped away, maybe fallen away to the place of not having any hope. Come back to him tonight and put your, by faith, put your hand in Jesus' hand. But if you're here tonight and you say, Mark, I'm, I'm never sure I've had a relationship with God. Does he, does he really know me? Well, the answer to that question is yes. And he's waiting on you. To put your confidence and trust in him. Strange, isn't it? God isn't asking you to join a religion. He's asking you to put your trust. See, Jesus came into our world. That's what Christmas is about. He came into our world, and he lived the life that you and I can't live. Perfect. And then he laid down on a Roman cross, and he died to pay for our sins. And scripture says, three days later, he arose from the grave. And anyone who is willing to put confidence in Jesus in baseball... When someone pitch hits for you, it counts for you even though they hit. That's what happened when Jesus died for you. He lived the life you can't live, and then he paid the price of your sin. And if you're willing to just trust him, to ask him to be your Savior, he will forgive you, wash your sins away, and give you an everlasting hope. Would you be open to inviting him into your life? You can make that decision tonight. You know, there was no room for Jesus in the end when he was born, but if there's room in your heart for him, you can invite him in right now. Let's pray a prayer together. I'll pray it slowly. You can decide if you want to say it to God. But if you own it and decide you want to say it, God will hear your prayer. And your life can start over again tonight. Let's pray. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. But I believe you love me anyway. I believe you know me. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. and I believe he arose from the grave. I ask you to forgive me. I want Jesus to come into my life and give me a hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I have a gift for you. There's a, at all of our info centers, all you have to do is go back and say, I prayed with Mark, and there's a gift box. There's a Bible just like I preached from, and a book I wrote, and some other cool stuff that will just help you get started in your Christian walk. So please, Take a moment. I know we're crowded, but take a moment. Come by Info center, and nobody will hassle you or bother you in any way. You just say, I pray with Mark, and I want to give you this gift. May God bless you, and Merry Christmas.